Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is brought to you by Kill Global Coaching and Consulting. Go to KILNGlobalCoaching.com when you're ready to bake success into work and life. Now for the next episode of Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, Senior Vice President and Chief Diversity Officer for Zora, Valerie Jackson. Hey, what you drink? Okay, I say we have another really, really incredible conversation. I mean, all the conversations have been amazing so far. I know what you're thinking. There is no possible way we can top the conversations that we've already had. I'm going to ask you to put a pin in that because this conversation, I believe, is going to change somebody's life. And I could be talking about my own, right? This could be just, you know, my own personal evolutionary moment. It could be, but I want to let you guys in because with this, I want to introduce you to Miss Valerie Jackson. Miss Valerie Jackson, come on in the room. Welcome to Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. How are Thank you, doing? you so much. How am I doing after that lead in? I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear. <laughs> I want to, I want to listen. Oh, well, you know, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I don't have a whole lot of conversations on air with people who uh, I've never met before. I haven't talked to them before. Uh, you know, I've only traded emails and text messages with. That's usually an area that I don't step into. However, you know, I just, I heard your conversation on a couple of different NPR episodes on a couple of podcasts. And you're talking about some topics that, uh, quite honestly, I'm learning more and more about. Uh, so I, I just I just decided that it was my mission to have you here in Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I am honored. And I have to tell you that um, I cannot take credit for everything you heard because I was fortunate enough to be born to two amazing people. Both were amazing speakers, leaders, humans in their own right. And my mom actually has had radio and TV shows. So literally learning at the feet of people whom I respect greatly. So if I can be a quarter what they were, or are in my mom's case, she's still with us, then uh, I feel like I'm doing all right in this lifetime. Well, you are clearly doing all right. So I don't know if it's a quarter uh, as good or half as good or what the percentage is, but 
they've put some home training on you. So you, you're living up to the expectation. So I've got one question that my audience knows that this is, this is their opportunity to turn on their ears. So I've got to get this question in there. And that question is, so what you drinking? <laughs> Rocket fuel. That's what I'm drinking, a.k.a. espresso. This time of day, I, well, any time of day, really. Some combination of coffee and, if I'm being good, water all day. All day. So, and you're, this isn't just regular coffee, right? This is, this is about as close to rocket fuel as we might be able to get. I mean, you have different types of espresso based on how much caffeine I need at any given moment. <laughs> I do love my coffee. It's, it's a pleasure. It's not just a necessity to focus. I love the aroma. I love the flavor. I love how I feel when I drink it. I love how I feel after I drink it. It truly is a sensory experience that I enjoy. I would imagine like whiskey. Oh, fantastic. It, it, absolutely. And I, I think that um, you are probably the first espresso drinker on the podcast. We've had some tea. We've had some water. We've had some clear liquor. Usually we play with brown liquor, but I don't think we've ever had espresso. So you get to claim that spot. You get to claim that spot. Thank you. Well, you know, you, you know what that means, or at least my listeners knows what that means. It means that I've got to hit the whiskey part pretty hard in order to stay true because authenticity is really, really important to me. So um, I've decided to go with something that was foundational to my whiskey exploration. And when I first started drinking this, this was like an everyday, you could find it anywhere. And, and quite honestly, I was mixing it with Coke uh, because it was so commonplace. And the, the story goes that there were some Japanese investors that were coming into Kentucky racing horses and after they won pretty big, they wanted to celebrate. And they asked, well, what's the best whiskey that we can drink to celebrate? And someone unfortunately said, well, Blanton's. And they said, well, bring us some Blanton's. And they poured Blanton's, they loved Blanton's. And the reason why I said, unfortunately, is the story goes, they bought up all of the Blanton's in Kentucky and they shipped it to Japan. And that was the beginning of Blanton's becoming incredibly hard to find. So, you know, my, my favorite whiskey at that time, which used to cost uh, $35, $40, all of a sudden went to $80 a bottle. And that's if you could find it. And that led to everyone, whenever they would see anything Blanton's, they would buy absolutely everything that they could find because they never knew when they could find it again. So I've got a couple bottles. And so uh, I'm going to be drinking Blanton's bottle letter A. And there's a reason why I say letter A is because the story goes that each of the bottles have a different letter associated with the little horsey on the top. And if you collect all of the letters, it will spell out Blanton's. And so that's that's kind of the the task to spell out Blanton's, and I'm pretty close. I'm missing I'm missing a T and an N, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna. That's incredible. This. So what you're saying is the podcast gets better the more 
you go into the bottle and the series of bottles. So once you, you know, spell Blanton, the series is lit. You know the story. So let me let me crack this open. Pour me just just a little bit of. Wow, that's really pretty. Yeah, it's got a nice little bottle. So this is this is the real thing. I would think of drinking nothing other than the real thing for this conversation. So uh, while I remember when this used to be my everyday, uh, I would love for you to share more about your background. Talk a little bit about your family. Talk a little bit about the the journey that you've been on because uh, you know I pride myself in having lived in uh, fourteen states and nineteen cities, but I can't claim seven seven different countries. So talk a little bit about your background and and everything that has gone into the the Valerie Jackson that uh, I'm getting ready to have this conversation with. Wow. Well. Uh, so much pressure. I, I feel like I cannot start anywhere else than the very beginning, which is another Valerie Jackson, my mother, for whom I am named, uh, who had a show on NPR, actually, called Between the Lines and some other shows on TV and is a prolific reader, thinker, strategist, human, one of the first Black women to get an MBA from Wharton. Um, about her business, completely self-made, uh, one of eight siblings who grew up with no money in Virginia, integrated her high school, raised all her siblings, you name it. And she happened to meet another, let's call him resilient, intelligent, driven man uh, named Maynard Jackson, who was a true civil servant and servant leader in my eyes, and I'm wholly biased because he was my dad, but the two of them united and became in my life a tremendous force for good. Uh, I would like to think also a force for good in the lives of others. Uh, my father was mayor of the city where I'm from for many, many years, and my mom, both as first lady and well outside of that role, really worked within communities, with businesses, the whole nine yards, and they taught me so much about life and the world and encouraged me to go out and learn within it, outside of them, which is why I started as early as nine or 10 years old, going to other countries to live. And my mom was like, we want you to learn, but I also want you to figure out how to make it happen. So where's my budget? Where's my proposal? I want you to write all this stuff and give it to me, 10 year old. <laughs> and, and, and I did. And that started both my business acumen, and I'm now a finance lawyer, so I'm very thankful for that, mom, uh, but also thinking critically about what opportunities can I find to expand my own worldview, to learn about the world and how I can best serve it. And that's why I moved to so many different places, whether I worked there, studied there, or simply just lived and relaxed there. I studied international relations in college, my intention was always to become a diplomat. That's how I was trained from the age of like two or three. I was the individual who conducted my wedding almost 20 years ago is Ambassador Andrew Young. And learning at the knees, the feet of individuals like that, I couldn't help but be pushed to learn more and talk about being held to some high standards. So that's why I always moved around to learn 
And, you know, maybe to spread my wings and experience what it's like to be a person outside of the shadow of, insert parents' names here. And uh, along the way, you know, I picked up some degrees, picked up some educational debt, <laughs> um, worked in a few places, met a few people, but I'm still very much on the journey of becoming, to quote our former first lady, every day. Oh my, I mean, that is just, that, that's a fascinating story. And it's easy to become impressed with names like <laughs> Ambassador Andrew Young and Maynard Jackson and Harvard University and Georgetown Law School. It's, it's so easy, but I, you know, the story that I, I really want to explore is how you have expanded the foundation of your knowledge. Because uh, you know, I, I believe that we we can only see the world from our worldview, and for so many, you know, that worldview is four blocks, and so everything that they might see is from the vantage point of those four blocks. How has your worldview, and I don't even know that you've thought about how it might have been different if you hadn't had such a broad and expansive foundation for your worldview, how might your worldview have been different if you had only lived in the same four blocks? Oh my gosh. Um, I can guarantee you it would have been different, first of all, in part because I'm an explorer. I went into law because <laughs> I'm gonna tell my mom today, she was like, what do you want to do when you grow up when you have a career? And I said, I want to be an anthropologist or a diplomat. She's like, girl, you got to support yourself. So how are you gonna make money? Start over. <laughs> Give me the answer. <laughs> she wasn't wrong. Uh, so I chose law. But I was always fascinated, have always been fascinated by different people and different cultures. As long as I could read, I was reading folk tales and mythology from countries I didn't even know existed, okay? That's just been me. When I was a little baby, well, baby, three, five, six, however many years old, and I'd play that game, Three Wishes. If you could have three wishes, what would you wish for? Right. I, I might wish for all the candy in the world, all of the, I don't know what in the world. But one of my wishes was always to be able to speak all the languages in the human and animal kingdoms so that I could bring species together and in conflict. That has always been my purpose on this planet. And so if I had not been able to physically travel, I'm sure that I would have leaned into every library in my life and traveled through those books. I am a rarity. I am a black American who on my father's side is fourth generation advanced degree holder. I'm descended from slaves, but I've also got four degrees of four generations of degree holders, doctorates and PhD, and, and like, which for me, I didn't understand the power of that privilege until I was an adult. I didn't understand how powerful it was for my grandmother to have integrated the public library system and how pivotal it was for her to be able to check out books two generations ago. And here I am at Harvard thinking I'm something, right? <laughs> I wasn't. So I think that I would have leaned more into libraries and I would have perhaps taken a different route to where I am today. But I believe that I came in with, came into this life with an imprint of sorts. 
that was tweaked by my parents, by the people I choose to associate with. But I don't think it's an accident that my best friend, love of my life and spouse of almost 20 years is from a different continent, country, culture, religion. I think I came in like this. I, I think that there's something to it. I think that there is a DNA imprint. And this is so unfounded, right? This is not backed up by any by any sniff of research. But I think that there might be a DNA imprint that supports exactly what you just said, because uh, there are so many studies that suggest that even with with twins who have the same DNA, <laughs> they live in the same house, they basically have approximately the same upbringing, but there still is something a little different about how they approach the world. Uh, so I, I think that there might be something to that. I, I have no idea. I just know what feels right to me on the inside. And I also come from a faith tradition that believes in reincarnation, right? So it makes it a little easier for me to conceptualize coming in a certain way or, or perhaps having had other experiences that transfer through the ether, right? But I think that I have always and will always be a world traveler, a world student, and um, hopefully always appreciative and grateful for what the world teaches. Ah. Okay, so now I want, I want to run this by you then, because you, because of your education, because of your lived experiences, you, you, you may be the person to help me articulate to others the, what this name of this podcast actually means, because I like all three, to, literally. So that's why I brought it together, because I like whiskey, I like jazz, and I like leadership. But there's also a metaphor thread that runs between all three for me. And that's really what I, you know, what I like to bring out in these conversations. For me, the metaphor of whiskey is doing what you enjoy with the people who enjoy your, your crew, regardless of what people outside of your crew might think of it. So that's, that's whiskey, just trying to find your own space and doing what you believe is right and what you enjoy. Jazz, for me, the metaphor is getting from where you are to where you need to be, although you might not have the benefit of sheet music, or you might have to call an audible, or you might have to do something different. There might, the, the only thing I know for sure is that plans will never go according to plan. And so what are you gonna do when you still have to get to that certain place on time, in key, and make it sound nice? And so for me, that's the metaphor of jazz. And for leadership, for me, every success and every failure begins and ends with leadership. I like to say that nobody eats unless somebody kills something. And even with my numerous friends who are vegan, they remind me, you gotta kill a plant. Nobody eats unless somebody kills something. So for me, that's how those three fit together. Is there a connection in your mind between those three metaphorically or, or, or literally? Yes. Based on your experience and how you describe the three, I would say inspiration. Mm. For me, the common thread listening to you is inspiration. Each subject, whiskey, jazz, leadership, inspires you in a different way. It could create a feeling that allows you to lean into your creativity and inner inspiration or it could be an external 
force, like seeing someone who is a good leader who inspires you to think or act a certain way. But for me, the through line listening to you is inspiration. Mm. Okay, now that takes me right back to what you were saying about your family. Uh, because one of the things that I talk about uh, a lot, not so much on the air, there's, there's only been a couple episodes I've talked about this on the air. Uh, if you go back to season two and you hear my conversation with Bo Stevens, we talk about our family experiences. And the, the thing that I talk about with uh, a lot of my friends is that I've had the benefit of having dynamic parents, both a mother and father in the home. And, you know, they, they weren't perfect, but at least I've got an example to pressure test against, right? I get to say, wow, you know, that worked out for them. I'm going to see if I can do that exact same thing or wow, that didn't work out so well. I still don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm not going to do that. And I gained a lot from watching my parents, watching my dad, who was in corporate America, navigate, talk about navigating the spaces that he was in. And that's what I pull from today, largely. What are some things that looking back, you believe you may have picked up from listening to your mom, listening to your dad, listening to some of the luminaries that you've, that you've mentioned already, just around the kitchen table. Uh, because now you see that what they were talking about really does fit into what you might be working on right now. Oh my gosh, so much. I, I took from all of them. From my mother, I learned how to meet people where they are, how to truly be a genuine force for good, one-on-one, -on -one, helping people to feel more comfortable in their own skin and therefore more comfortable with you and whatever they're navigating, which is such a skill and art, along with so many other things I've learned from my mom. I can't even begin to elucidate all of them and she's still here. So we talk every week and I get more learnings. Get more. More and more. Uh, from my father, I, well, you could argue that my work in diversity and inclusion is a direct result of his efforts in affirmative action, in public-private partnerships, in being the first Black mayor of a major Southern city and one of the first in the United States. You could say it is because of that. I would argue that I don't know that it's because of, but I know one thing I learned from my dad is that he always fought to create equal opportunity for everyone, everyone. And it's what we all want. We all want equal opportunity. We want to know that we have a place, that we are valued, are respected, and that we all have a chance, an opportunity. And I do a lot of that work in corporate America. I work to help companies be better placed for the humans who work in them. And I don't know that I would have taken that route had I not seen my parents do what they do and how they did it. And I can guarantee you that the notion I have of serving others, that it is an honor and a duty because of the gifts that I was given, because of the opportunities I've received, I must, not can, must do all that I can to help and serve others. That's how I was raised. And while that's not everyone's truth, it most certainly is mine. Mm. 
Wow. I, I sense, uh, you know, I mentioned the word authenticity earlier, but I sense that coming through in this conversation. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to imagine that someone with media training would know the right words to say, uh, but there is a, there's an energy that I believe can't be faked. And I'm feeling that energy right here. Where does that committed optimism come from that suggests that you can actually, you can actually create this change that I've heard you talk about so far? That is an amazing question. It comes from, I would say, two places. Number one, my strong desire to be happy and believing that my happiness is connected with others' happiness. And the second place is my faith that better exists. You could argue that the latter is an extension of the concept of continuous improvement, which I'm also a big fan of. But I choose to believe that there is always a better. And in the hardest moments, that may be the only light in the tunnel I see or that some people see. So yes, it's optimistic. I'd also say it's an absolute necessity. And faith, trust are choices, as is happiness. And so I keep choosing to believe in something I maybe can't see or feel today. I trust that it is possible and that I will do or be guided to do what I need in order to help however I can. And if I totally screw up, well, I'll learn something. So it's a win-win. And in little moments along the way, and hopefully at the end, I will be happy. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.